and welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 294, BGG Hotness for October 2020. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone out there, we got a brand new episode for you. It is super hot, and Anthony's bringing it to you. Of course, Board Game Geek's hotness for October 2020. Anthony, why is this list so hot this time of year? Well, in a normal year, this would be about two to three weeks before Essen. So we would Uh have a big monster list of 900 games to go through, and you and I would wonder when we could ever possibly actually get these games because we don't we can't go to Germany. <laughs> this year, it's kind of the same thing. There's a giant monster list on BGG of about 400 games, not quite 900. And <laughs> we go through it and we wonder when we can get these games. So it's... But this time we're with everybody. The Germans, the French, the Europeans, all of our European friends out there, we're all in the same boat. Nobody knows when we can get these games. It's great. We're all in it together. Uh, so... Last month, we went through that list the first time, and I think we did about 20 or 25 games or so. We've kind of gone back through and checked all the things that have been added or updated, and we have about another 15 or 20 or so games that are also now on the hotness that are also coming out this fall that we're going to kind of add as an update. So consider this your Essen preview part two, but there is no Essen, so BGG (laughs) hotness preview part two. (laughs) The revenge. I don't. Exactly. (laughs) So we'll be getting to that on our feature review. Obviously, even if we can't have the games in our hand, we can fantasize that we actually were able to get the games, able to get them to the table, and have enjoyed them a great deal. Nonetheless, we will collect them in our collective memory and enjoy them while we'll deal with the sadness of actually not having them in hand. But we'll get to our feature review, so hold on for that. Anthony will be describing in great detail all these wondrous games eventually that we'll get to the table. All right, so that's what's going on with the board gaming industry. Let's talk about what's going on with BGA. Anthony, there is a little bit of a live stream later today, correct? Later today, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, 8.30 tonight, Eastern Standard Time. We have BGA Live, episode five. Nice. That rhymes. Nice. Uh, The game doesn't rhyme, though. Clans of Caledonia. (laughs) I've. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so this week we're, we're back in a little bit medium heavier games and, and we're going to be talking about clans of Caledonia. So if you have ever wanted to play the game or are interested in it, or just want to see us riff on this thing, join us tonight, eight 30, we're going to be talking about it. If you're listening to this after the fact, and you missed the live stream, you can check it out on board game arenas, uh, Twitch channel or on their YouTube channel as well. All the replays go up there. So. Uh, check it out. We're going to be talking all about this game. I've played this game about 75 times this year, mostly on Board Game Arena, so I have a lot to say. (laughs) Nice. So as Anthony said, join us tonight, and if you can't, there's a rebroadcast on Board Game Arena on Twitch. If you haven't tried out Twitch, definitely check it out. If no other reason that you get to get more board gaming to the table, especially by subscribing to our Twitch stream on Board Game Arena and checking out the videos there. A lot more content out there. And again, thanks for our Patreon backers for making that possible. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with the board game industry and BJ Live. Let's talk about what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week? 
Question of the week this week, we're at talking spooky games because Halloween is coming up. Um, we have, like everything else in 2020, a strange Halloween on the way <laughs> because Halloween is about trick-or-treating and parties and going out and you can't really do any of that responsibly this year. So while I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to do all those things anyways, you probably shouldn't. So <laughs> what better way to counter that, though, than to stay home and play some board games with your family or anybody who might be in your quarantine bubble? Uh, and so we asked everybody what games they will be playing this year. And basically, what, what kind of spooky do you like? You know, kitty spooky, super spooky, gross spooky. There's lots of stuff. Uh, so... Lots of good answers here. Of course, everybody loves Halloween. They love Halloween games. It's probably the one holiday that has the most games for it, just because it gets that whole horror genre to itself. Um, Dave, uh, our our buddy David, said Touch of Evil would be his choice, though he never seems to have the time to actually play it. But one day he'll start this tradition and play it at Halloween. So that's a fantastic game, um, which is very, very Halloween-ish, like B-movie Halloween-ish. Chris mentions Fury of Dracula, Horrified, and Abomination as his big three for this year. Those are actually the three I played last year, just the two, three weeks before Halloween. So that's pretty funny. Uh, Of the three, I think Horrified was the only one I actually enjoyed and have kept around. But I know that all three of those are very popular this time of year. Brian mentions Nemesis with creepy space sounds. So this is basically Alien, the board game. So perfect, right? Martin mentions Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Looks forward to playing this time of year every year. And also is looking forward to getting Cthulhu Death May Die to the table. As it's pretty spooky in its own right. Sure, sure. Jesse mentions Dead of Winter as well. As one Uh that that wants to get to the table. And then as a filler, Campy Creatures. Which is kind of a little bit lighter, simpler game. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, Several people mentioned Mysterium. Um, We had some mentions for Gloom. I'm not a huge fan of myself, but I could see that being a good fit this time of year. Betrayal at House on the Hill and all of its many versions. Um, Sorcerer, uh, the kind of deck building or card crafty type of game um, Mm -hmm. with some smash up elements to it. So, yeah, I'm not big on horror games. None of these, you know, for a long time, there was nothing that really jumped out at me. I think Horrified is probably the one that's going to has entered my rotation and I'll bring it out every year because the kids enjoy it. It's pretty family friendly. You get to play with all the old Universal movie monsters, which I love, and production's pretty solid. So what about you? Any horror games hitting the table? Well, if I had my Halloween dream come true, if that's such a thing, I would walk up to a house and get a super big copy with all the expansions from Kingdom Death Monster. But since that's probably not going to happen this year, maybe next year, but not going to happen this year, then typically what I do like to get to the table is Mysterium. I think that's, you know, it's a good family weight as far as the game's concerned. It's not too horrifying, but it's a little spooky, especially if you're the person giving out the clues of how certain people are murdered in certain places. I guess if I was going to play something that was really kind of horrifying, so to speak, I guess the one game that really kind of, you know, surprised me was Arkham Horror, the card game. In particular, not that its design or its creatures or its monstrous situations were really horrifying, but the fact that the game didn't end with, like, wiping out the creatures between stories. It was like, all right, you accomplished this. 
And then, of course, you have to make decisions. And you make decisions, and no matter what decision you make, it's kind of horrifying. So you go on with these psychological, horrific scars as you move forward with the game, as you make choices between a bad choice and a worse choice, if there is such a thing in that game. So I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's that's really a significant twist. I thought we got out of the, you know, the darkness there, but nope, it's following us. So yay? So yeah, I, I think that's the game that kind of stood out above and beyond as far as like the truly creepy elements of a horror game that never seems to end. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic game, and that, that's a really good choice. I could definitely see myself playing that one this year as well. All right, now on to the games that we want to hit the table. Let's get on to our Acquisition Disorders. All right, Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right, so one of my favorite movies from childhood, and one that I've been like trying to just incept into the minds of my children, um, <laughs> is The Princess Bride. This I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. Uh, it was the movie that the teachers would always bring in to show us like in sixth grade, middle school, like family friendly enough, but also interesting enough to keep everybody engaged, you know, like on those half days or holidays. And every now and then someone will say, Hey, we're making a princess bride game. And I'm like, Oh, cool. And then you find out, no, it's bad. And <laughs> you know, it happens occasionally that IPs get bad games this particular IP has gotten a lot of bad games in a short period a of time. And it sucks. It's inconceivable. Yes. Yes. I knew <laughs> you were going to do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so when this one popped up, uh, the Princess Bride Adventure Book game, I was understandably not interested. And yet uh, I saw some Twitter posts on this on a thread. And I wish I could remember who posted it, but I want to thank them anyways. Because the game actually looks pretty good. This is from Robinsberger. It's not from... Honestly, I don't remember who had this before. I think it's Game Salute, maybe. Um, but whatever line of just yes. half-baked games that came out like three, four years ago, this is not part of that. Yep. New thing. <laughs> Robinsberger's done a pretty good job. You know, they had like the that Disney, um, the Villains game, Villainous. Um, they did a good job with that and some of the other IP stuff they've worked on. So this is a storybook style game. And it's not really like stuff fable storybook, but it does have like a little book with multiple different boards in it. I think there's six chapters. And you're going to go through, it's a cooperative game, and try to defeat various challenges in each of these chapters that you will recognize from the scenes of the movie. But it's super meta, too. Like, you're not just trying to defeat these things. You're not just the characters in the book. You're kind of telling the story, and you're trying to do it in a way that's interesting to the grandson. So uh, if you've seen the movie, the original, you know, you have the grandson there who's sick and he doesn't really want to hear the story at first because there's kissing and eventually he gets really into it. But you know, the grandfather has to really like weave his way through and make sure the kid is actually interested in. It. And this kind of takes that idea and makes it part of the game, which is really cool. Cause it's not just like, let's play through the story of the princess bride, which is very charming and well presented, but also fairly wrote, you know, it, it follows a lot of cliches in the, in the genre. It just does it really well. So the way it's described and the way that you end up doing this, it sounds really interesting. So you have different story-based conditions, of course, you have to get through. Then kind of like this meta boss character in the form of the grandson who can interrupt and mess up the story and cause you to lose the game because if he gets disinterested enough or off-base enough, he doesn't want to hear anymore, right? So nice. I'm pretty interested in this. It sounds really cool. 
my daughter really likes the movie. Um, she's watched it a couple times now. My son is still very much Fred Savage in the bed, like <laughs> too much kissing <laughs> in the first five minutes. But yeah. um, we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him eventually because he just needs to stick around for like at least ten more minutes, and he'll see like the entire rest of the movie is an adventure. Man, <laughs> come on. That's uh, true. So, anyways, that's the Princess Bride adventure book game. It's coming from Robinsberger, so I imagine it's coming to Target because all these games tend to. Um, I'm probably going to track it down once it comes out. All right. Yeah, no, that sounds great. As you mentioned, it's a it's an interesting take on the game. I remember when, as you mentioned, Game Salute had the license and they mentioned they were going to produce a large number of games from this. And I was like, okay, but what about, you know, thematically, The Princess Bride is not about like one particular scenario or the other in the movie. It's it's about this storybook kind of situation, like you mentioned, that it's not just about the story, but imparting that knowledge and that experience and that wonderment and awe that you can have in childhood and what a story really brings to you. And I guess finally we have a game that does that because the other ones, not so much on that. Right? Ah. Yeah, no, it, it's like right on the nose. And I don't know if it's too much on the nose, but I'm still interested. Uh, the designer, too, he worked on Betrayal Legacy, which is apparently, by all accounts, a really good legacy game that kind of updates and modernizes and does cool things with the Betrayal formula. I don't like Betrayal, so I'm not going to play that, but this sounds cool. Yeah, I think th- this this hits the right thematic uh, game feel that we're really probably been looking for for a long time. And the artwork is quite good here. This is not screen grabs, but you do get nice little miniatures, so that's always really cute. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well. All right, so a Kickstarter that recently backed by the time you're listening to this is Untamed Feral Factions, the Spirit Strike Edition. It's a shuffle-building, card-battling game that has 12 unique ammo factions, plus some extra Kickstarter stuff. And as the title states, it also has a new Spirit Strike expansion. This is a two-player game in which you'll be fighting an opponent and trying to knock out their base using this shuffle deck-building mechanic. So think pretty much like when you've played Smash Up, where you take two factions, you mash them up, and then you're able to actually you know, attack the different bases. The gameplay here is pretty standard. Uh, the whole idea is that you have a base of operations, and then you are trying to knock out the other base. And you do that by playing cards on the field. And basically what you're doing is, again, like Smash Up, you're putting cards out there that have certain values as far as attack and defense. In addition, it uses some mechanics from Epic PvP, where you're going to be playing certain cards, but also building a deck of kind of currency that's going to allow you to play those cards out. And there's going to be a separate deck that's going to allow you, like a discard pile, that's going to allow you to be able to activate special abilities. So why this game, right? We have Smash Up, we have Epic PvP, and yet, again, this is another game that's going to be where you're attacking some other base, and you're using characters. Again, You could this could be Keyforge, this could be a lot of games like that out there. For two reasons. First... The artwork here is pretty wonderful. In addition to just being able to smash together three different factions, the animal anthropomorphic 
look here is actually quite good, quite interesting. The graphic design is pretty straightforward, nothing too flashy there, but it, it makes a lot of sense as far as the game goes, and the price is fairly cheap. So if you do not have one of these types of games and have wanted to get into this whole kind of two-player attack genre, looking for something with some really interesting dynamic artwork, looking at for something that has a really good price point to it. And honestly, what I really love about games so much is the multitudes of combinations, especially special abilities that come to the game. So there are deer, snakes, crocodiles, foxes, pandas, rabbits, raccoons, rhinos, rats, tigers, chameleons, and spirit owl cards. <laughs> so it really has a little bit of everything. The deluxe edition has foil cards, which just kind of perk the game up a little bit. But nonetheless, this is going to be more or less your standard throw together a team, attack the other player, special abilities abound, build up your currency, build up your special abilities for your special attacks. Again, a fairly good price for this game. It's on Kickstarter. There'll be a late backer pledge if you're interested in it, or you can also pick up the base game. It's already out. This is primarily for the expansion. That's Untamed Feral Factions Spirit Strike Edition. That's a long title. Yeah, I don't know why they went that way. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to get into these like like shuffle building type of games, but honestly, none of them have really done it for me yet. So Sure. I like anytime there's a new one, I'm like, I'm gonna try it because maybe this is the one and I, I just haven't gotten yeah. it. Yeah. So I will try this. Yeah, I... Maybe it's the one. I don't know. <laughs> I think the artwork here is something that kind of like makes it pop a little bit more than the normal kind of like shuffle random things together and attack each other i mean there's a lot of games out there like that so this is nothing relatively new i mean i really enjoy epic pvp because you do get to smash together a particular class and race here you get to do that but with three different factions so it, again it's another one of these kind of really interesting fun to look at kind of imagine the different combinations that come together when you play these types of games all right, so that's everything that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table. And we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those are games are a play and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should avoid them. Or if those games are, in fact, the dreaded burn. So if somebody does not give you tricks, you give them... <laughs> if someone does not give you treats, you give them this trick. All right, Anthony, so what do you have up for us this week? All right, yeah. I got a uh, a new one in from Cosmos called Aqualin. Um, they sent along a review copy, and I got a chance to play it with uh, my children and my wife, and it's a relatively quick, simple two-player game. So just kind of quickly give it a rundown of the rules. You have a single board in the middle of the table, and it's, I don't know, it's like the size of a patchwork board. It's very small. It's a little grid. And on your turn, you're going to take one of six face-up tiles and place it somewhere on that grid, wherever, doesn't matter. It's up to you. Um, each of the tiles represents several different types of sea creature. And each of those sea creatures is a different color. And so what you do is one player is trying to create groups of sea creatures and the other player trying to create groups of like colored tiles. And you're going to score at the end of the game based on those two things. So if I'm playing the sea creature side and you're playing the colored tile side, you would want like the largest possible groups of red and pink and blue and yellow and green. 
Whereas I want them to be the largest groups of like seahorses and crabs or squid or whatever. Um, on your turn, you can both place a tile and move a tile. So you can move any tile as far as you want horizontally or direction or uh, vertically until it hits something else, either the end of the board or another tile. So not only are you placing tiles and trying to build your own little sets, but you're moving stuff around and messing with the other player. So it's highly, highly interactive, a um, bit of an abstract game, but not like a static abstract game, whereas a lot of abstract games, you put something on the board, you leave it there, and you try to maneuver around what your opponent's doing. This one, you can move whatever you want, including the tile your opponent just put down. So it is uh, a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it takes like 15, 20 minutes to play. You play out every tile and... I imagine as you get to play it more, like I've played it three times now, you're going to know how many of each tile there are. I mean, you could just look it up too, but you're going to remember, you're going to get better at understanding like the volume that like, oh, there's five stars out there already. This is the last one, for example. Like you might be limited in the number of, of different like starfish you can pull out. So it is a fun take on the quick two-player abstract game. Um, perfect weight for the nine-year-old uh, my five-year-old though, she got it. She had fun with it. It was a little hard, like trying to dissect the two, like between the color and the, the shapes, but she enjoyed it and wanted to play it again right away. So yeah, as far as two player games go, this one's solid. It's a, just a good solid play. Um, if you're looking for something with like an aquatic theme, that's pretty accessible, very, very quick and easy to teach and highly replayable. Aqualand's pretty good. The only thing I'll say is, and I'm not colorblind, so I don't know, but the tiles, like half the game is being able to match together and, and, and work with the colors. Um, so I guess check first. <laughs> like if you are colorblind or would be playing with someone who is, just take a look at some pictures and make sure that you can differentiate the shades. Um, but otherwise, yeah, a solid game and a, a recommendation. Check it out. Aqualid. Nice. Cosmo really does a great job with these small games. They're a great price and really a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I think this one's 20 bucks, so it's, it's perfect for what it is. And they're like the nice Bakelite Azul type of tiles. They're like, they're solid. Sweet. Yeah, like this. All right, I have a game in that similar weight and area. It's called Builder, B-I-L-D-E-R. It's a board game with wooden blocks. This was a recent Kickstarter-backed game. And basically what we're looking at here in some respects is charades, but using really cute little interesting wooden blocks in order to portray what is particularly on your what cards. So basically what you're going to be given is a what card that's going to have two possibilities on it. And from those two possibilities, you're going to pick one of the options. Each of the options has a different subject heading. So you might get something that is actually more of an object, or you might get something that is an event. So basically the idea here is that what you're going to do is give some information about what you're going to be building. And then obviously other players are going to be guessing that particular construction that you put together. And as I mentioned, B-I-L-D-E-R, builder in this case, each of the what cards has a different subject area based on that letter. And you're trying to collect all of the letters. If you do, by the end of the game, you get three additional points. All other players, and including yourself, if you happen to be the one who gets all the points, 
you get one additional point for every card that you collect as the game goes on. The person who's actually building the construction is going to also be able to collect points based on the how cards. So how are you actually going to <laughs> construct that particular building and, you know, in what manner or what little tricky way? So they're going to have things such as you have to make sound effects uh, while building. Uh, while building, you have to mention the color and material of all pieces used. Uh, maybe you have to hum a tune while building. Maybe you have to say warmer or colder while people guess. Uh, you know, you have to use a lot of different kind of wacky different things or not being able to use certain pieces or being forced to use other pieces. So there's a little challenge for you as far as building the construction's concern, which I like because typically when you do these kind of straight kind of games, the harder you work, it doesn't necessarily provide you a point. Now, you can ignore the how condition and just go ahead and be able to get those. There are also challenge how cards, which are actually a lot more challenging, a lot more difficult as the game goes on. Like you have to build with all of the pieces or you get 30 seconds to spell out a five letter word. So there are some additional challenges for the adults in the group if you want to make things a little bit harder. The game takes about 45 minutes to play quicker if you're playing all adults, longer if you're playing with families. And it, you know, it backed on Kickstarter and the challenge with that happened to be was while it did back, it did not back and allow it to meet all its stretch goals. So you do get a very large, beautifully pink coral kind of box that has some really nice graphic design on it, but it's huge. And because it didn't back with all of its extra bits, all the extra wooden blocks, including one of the Kickstarter backer levels where you could actually double the blocks in the box you're actually getting a game that fits probably about a third of the box so you get this nice huge box with this really cute artwork on it and the game itself is a handful of blocks and the cards now i like the blocks they're nice and smooth they're you know your traditional wood blocks nice and light so kids can play them no worry about anything as far as the game's concerned you obviously can also play this. There's a print and play for this game. So if you want to print out the what cards and the who cards, and if you have a whole bunch of blocks, you can obviously put this together yourself. But again, a relatively nice game, random blocks. Sometimes they're pretty straight as far as circles, squares, and random kind of pieces, mostly meeples and just some things that are a little obvious as far as like, hey, that's a car or hey, that's fire. And other stuff that's just like, okay, that's a shape. <laughs> so for Builder, it gets a play. I wish it had a lot more pieces, honestly, a lot more abstract pieces that would kind of challenge you a little bit more as you put things together. Most of the pieces are meant to kind of be placed together to make certain things. So, for example, there are two pieces that you're able to put together that obviously makes a tree. Now, again... This is really meant for family weight. This is meant for kids. This is meant for, you know, something quick and easy to get to the table. So if you do have that family situation, if you are looking for a very light game, if you enjoy putting together random blocks, uh, Builder might be a game for you. All right, so that's everything that hit our table this week. Now on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are taking a look at Board Game Geek's hotness list. For October 2020, 
with Essen right around the corner. A lot of new games hit. Let's talk about them, Anthony. So what do you have up for us this week? All right. So we're going to kick it off with a game that actually came out last year. So just going way back. Um, this game actually never came out in the U.S. And it's from Cosmodrome Games, who did Smartphone Inc. So I was already interested in the game, but it, I don't think Arcane Wonders has actually released it yet. That's called Aquatica. So Aquatica is a little bit lighter than Smartphone Inc. It's a like light, medium weight game, uh, engine building game. You're laying down cards that have different types of actions on them. You combine them together and you're trying to build chains and basically just combo your way through the game. It's that kind of game. Um, seems really nice and simple, like less than an hour, that kind of way to game. There's an expansion coming out this year that would have released at Essen. And I think the original game is supposed to be released here in the States as well from Arcane Wonders. And since this is the second game from the guys who did uh, Smartphone Inc., which is fantastic, that it shot its way into my top 100 this last year, I'm very much looking forward to this. So it's very pretty to look at, some beautiful ocean artwork, and uh, some mechanics that sound interesting. So that one has been on the hotness for a while, but I think it's on there now because new version coming. Nice. Cloud Age, we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is the new Alex Fister game, uh, working with Arno Steinvender. Uh, it's coming from um, Capstone Games, and so it's up for pre-order already. And we don't know a ton about it. It's got some deck building. It's got some bag building. Um, I say deck building. It's kind of in the middle there. Um, but it's an engine building kind of game, uh, resource management. And really what makes it stand out to me, at least, is the theme is not a typical Fister game with the stodgy people and the Caribbean or Mediterranean. So that alone makes it interesting. It's a little bit lighter than some of his more recent games. It, they claim it plays in about an hour and a half. So we'll see if that's true. But um, very much looking forward to it because, yeah, Fister. <laughs> all of his games are good. Even if they're not great, they're all good. <laughs> Agreed. Venice. This is the new game in the Brain Crack series of City Games. So they did Ragusa last year, which was a fantastic game. Um, kind of under the radar, but just a beautiful Kickstarter. Very solid game. It takes less than an hour to play, but a lot of meaty, weighty decisions in there. Um, Venice is from Andre Novak and David Turchi of David Turchi fame. And this was on Kickstarter, uh, I think, the beginning of this year, the end of last year. And in it, you are moving your boats through Venice along the canals. So you're going to be picking up assistants and dropping them off. They're going to be taking various actions and you're trying to like, it's not quite a programming game, but you definitely have to think ahead in terms of where you're going and how you're going to get there um, and build these different routes, pick up things, drop them off. Um, there's some resource management and trading, but it's in that 60 to 90 minute wait, very accessible Euro category. And just again, beautiful artwork. So Venice is supposed to be, done and ready at least in europe here in the next month or so um, hopefully those sh kickstarter copies are shipping soon as well all right next one up is the new one from freeman freeze it's fayum this is uh it's got like a greek or a, a greek <laughs> it's got an egyptian pharaoh on the cover and it of course the game starts with an f because it's a freeman freeze game and the thing that stands out about this game to me is that you are going to be getting new cards, putting them into your hand throughout the game. And these are going to allow you to do various things. Um, but as you discard the cards, they're going to go into your deck in a certain order, and then you're going to play them back in reverse order. So it's one of those, like, as you play the cards in there, 
they need to stay that way. And this is something that Freeze has been playing with in a few other lighter games of late, um, especially like his little light box, like Flee and Finished and Fast Forward. Um, but taking that mechanic and kind of blowing it out into a, a full like economic um, euro, which they're listing at two hours, so it's probably closer to two to three. I'm actually very interested in this, and I don't feel like I've been interested in Friedman Freeze, at least on a heavy game, in a long time. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this works out. So, yeah, in Paleo, you are playing cooperatively. You're trying to keep the human beings in their cave alive, but you're also completing various missions. So you might need new furs. You might need to get a tent. Um, you might need to complete a painting uh, that will be on the wall for thousands of years. And so humans someday can look at it and be like, hey, they had mammoths. So I'm not a huge cooperative game kind of guy, but this has like some Euro um, pedigree to it. And the artwork is really nice. So I'm interested to see if it works out. All right. So next up, we have Monster Expedition. Uh, this is a new game from Alexander Fister. It is a light to medium weight game. Only like 30 minutes. Super quick. But the reason this one seems so cool, other than being a Fister game, is that it is in the same universe as the Carnival of Monsters, which was a Richard Garfield game that came out last year from Amigo. So it, what it looks like is they're building a shared universe of light to medium weight families type of games. And that's just cool. I don't know if it's going to work. It's just cool that they're doing it. Um, this is like a dice rolling game. Fairly simple. It looks like you're just going to be trying to like uh, go through and get these different supply camps and get your wilderness display figured out. Doesn't look super complex mechanically. And the game is supposed to be relatively quick and family friendly. But it's a Fister game. I don't think there's been any of his games that haven't really stuck with me in a while. Um, sure. And... I like the idea of it being in that same universe. And Carnival of Monsters was pretty good. So. Yeah. Next up is Sidereal Confluence Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> this is from WizKids, and it's a remastered, which just means... I'm not 100% sure what it means. I think there's some tweaks to the rules. And from what I've heard and seen, the original version of this game was relatively ugly, and the components were pretty bad. So... This game has built up quite the cult following. It is a four to nine player trading and negotiation game, like pure economic trading and negotiation game. So if you just take the trading and negotiating part of like um, Twilight Imperium, that's not even the best example, but a game like that, a big long game like that, yeah. that's what this is. And those I've spoken to have played it, absolutely love it. I've not played it, so I can't say one way or the other. It's like four to five hours long. You need like five or six people at a minimum. And the components were garbage. So they're like, here's a better version. <laughs> um, WizKids doesn't promote any of their stuff. So we'll see what happens with this, if any promotion or marketing gets done. But it, already it's kind of a cult hit. So we'll see um, how many people are interested in the upgrade. Yeah, two years later. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the fastest second edition I've ever seen. Yeah, well, if the first edition's ugly enough. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <do> something. <laughs> All right. Next up is Monasterium. This is a new game from DLP Games uh, designed by Arve de Fuller. It is a game in which you are building a monastery. And it's kind of got the, I mean, it looks like very generic Euro-y uh, just in terms of the artwork and, and the layout. But for some of us, that's good, right? DLP Games puts out a lot of good stuff. They were the originators of games like Orleans. Um, and 
in this, you're going to be doing various different things, you know, completing different special missions to help build like stained glass windows to make the school more famous. Um, just, you know, monastery stuff. The game is for two to four players. It's a two sided board. So you can kind of adjust based on player count. And I'm, if nothing else, I'm interested to hear if it's any good because it looks cool. I like to look at the board. I always like that theme of just building something up that's relatively, you know, historically inert at this point. Like it's just kind of a curiosity. Um, yeah, so we'll see how this one goes. Next up is an expansion, Gugong Panjun. This is this was actually on Kickstarter uh, about a year ago, and it is the big big box expansion for Andreas Stedding's Gugong, which is a game that grew on me quite a bit. I think my original review was like a very soft play. And over the year and a half that it's been out, I've played it many more times and really come to enjoy it quite a bit. So um, we talked about this a little while ago, but just a refresher, the expansion comes with four modules. You have the Summer Palace. So you'll travel there. It's where the Emperor goes in the summer. Um, so there's extra servants and Jade and some extra services you can pick up. Um, the Peasants Revolt, uh, which seems like an interesting kind of spin on the game. The Palace Stairs. So this kind of changes up the Envoy situation in the middle of the board, which currently is like the lamest part of the game that nobody wants to do. And then new decrees, new gift cards and stuff that they always call that stuff a module, but really you just chuck it all in the box. So I'm excited for this. I know it's in the United States um, for Kickstarter backers, and it just kind of got stuck in limbo with the fulfillment company. So hopefully it shows up soon. Uh, next up is Shot and Totten 2. Uh, Shot and Totten, or Battle Line, as it is sometimes known, is Reiner Knizia's very famous two-player game in which you you know lay cards out in a rows in front of you and kind of try to balance out against your opponent um, and win the most um, locations. This one is Shot and Totten was always like, I find it funnier because it's like the silly, goofy artwork, whereas Battle Line is like just straight up, um, you know, Roman legions. But... This version is going to add some twists to that. So this time you have an attacker who's trying to breach through the walls of the defender. And so you're trying to build forces into formations at the different locations in the battlefield, which is normal. Um, but then some tweaks to that based on who's the defender and who's the attacker and which cards are going to come out. So Shot and Totten's good. Uh, excited to see how they uh, mix it up. All right, next up is Cubitos. This is a weird looking game i don't i don't even really know what i'm looking at if you haven't seen the cover it is what looks like a block of cheese wearing later hosen on top of a mountain so it's kind of like a spongebob look but i'm pretty sure it's cheese and those are probably human legs so yeah i don't know it's an image you can't unsee let's, let's just put it that way um but the reason this is interesting is it's from John D. Clare, uh, so the designer behind Mystic Veil and um, Age of Darkness and a lot of other really big AEG games over the last few years. And the game is not, you're not sleeving cards <laughs> like a lot of the other games. It's more of like a, a dice rolling push your luck type of game. So you are in the Cube Cup, a race of strategy and luck to determine the Cubitos champion have a runner on the racetrack and then a support team, which are your dice and you're just going to roll them and kind of move around the track. Uh, but you'll buy new dice. You'll upgrade your abilities and kind of find new ways to like power up throughout the race. It looks cute. It looks interesting. And he's done a lot of really good games. Um, so I, I think it'll work. I don't know what's going on with the theme. 
it's strange, but I think the game could work. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Next one up, and you'll love this one. Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. It's a roll and write. Eh? 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 All right. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I know. I think they're a little late to the, to the game, actually. Um, so Inca and Marcus Brand, the world-famous design duo behind Rajas of the Ganges, are back with a roll and write, which... Okay. Uh. <laughs> Roll and write version of a famous board game. Um, these are either fine or bad. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, in this game, same as the original, you're racing for wealth and fame and seeing when they mark, meet each other in the middle. So um, just instead of using a board, you're going to be marking a bunch of stuff on the sheet. I will probably buy it and let you all know what I think. <laughs> so... And I will probably skip it and not know what's going on with it. Yep. Possibly mock yep. me for buying it. We'll see. I certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> all right next one up is beyond the sun this is a new one from rio grande games it's from a brand new designer dennis k chan and it's a big space worker placement game so got some action drafting stuff some worker placement for various things you're doing there's tech trees and you are going off into space and beyond the solar system so it's got very very familiar <laughs> it's near sci-fi uh type of artwork in terms of like rio grande fonts and layout which is not necessarily a bad thing it's just kind of the same old same old blue and black um, color scheme but it's a big box of stuff uh mechanically it looks interesting and i don't know i just like this kind of game i like the space stuff i like tech trees in general so i'm interested to see how this plays out nice the magnificent snow this is a expansion for the magnificent which i just got so <laughs> so this is from aporta games and the magnificent came out at uh essen last year and it was like the one game i wanted to get out of essen and it took the longest to come here they finally shipped it in like late july um mm. so this is expansion i imagine will either come next year in july or never because that's always an option as well. Um, there was a game a couple of years ago, Windake, that had an expansion at uh, Essen. And then I was like, oh, it was Renegade. And I was like, oh, Renegade, are you going to bring that over? Like, oh, we didn't sell enough of Windake, so we're not bringing that over. I'm like, oh, no. How do I get my expansions? Renegade? Uh, <laughs> come on. So Jeez. this one brings in 50 new master cards, a bunch of new camp tiles, poster cards, order cards, all that good stuff. Um, there's new player boards. So I think it goes up to five players now, which boo, but you know, you can ignore that part if you want. And there's various ways to tweak your different actions. So this is a very modular type of game anyways, like what comes out and what you can do. So they're just more variability and like the new master board module um, that gets mixed in there. So I'm excited. I really like the Magnificent and more content is always great. Excellent. All right, next up is God's Love Dinosaurs from Pandasaurus Games. Okay. Because Pandasaurus is the dinosaur company now, which nice. If you think about it, took them a little too long to get there, but I, <laughs> with that, uh, you're gonna call yourself Pandasaurus. I mean, I um, know, but they he got would, there. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So in this one, it's it's kind of a goofy, silly theme. You have some basic drafting mechanics, and you're laying different tiles out and trying to build up a food chain of different types of animals 
predators, prey animals. You just you're you're a dinosaur lover, you know, you're God, you're building a thing. <laughs> and that seems to be basically what it is. Like you are some kind of deity, you love dinosaurs, and you are building like your own little dinosaur playground just on Earth. So 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 kind of like a park where you play God <laughs> and create dinosaurs? Hmm, where did they pull this out from? No, that's their other game that pulls it from there. This is a Oh this is like yeah. that, but you know, more Peter Molyneux. It's fine. <laughs> Are you talking about the new expansion that's up? Oh wait, no, no, that's 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 something completely different from the original one. <laughs> They're definitely mining that idea for a lot. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so this one comes out pretty soon because I've gotten a bunch of press releases about it, so I know it's coming nice. soon. Um Gods Love Dinosaurs. It looks cute. I think my kids will like it. So I'll probably pick it up just because it seems like a good family game. Yeah, I love dinosaurs too. So nice. All right. Last but not least, we have Novgorod. This is a new small box uh, game from Stefan Riesthaus, you know, famous designer of Arkwright and Gentis. And it is a game in which you are building trading offices in the Hanseatic cities to ship goods and manufacture luxury products. So, woo, sleepy theme. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is Stefan Riesthaus and it is an investment game. Um, so you're, you're managing your cards, but you're like trying to manage them in such a way that you can build enough trading places, improve your ships, figure out the right ratio between the money you have and getting victory points. So anytime you put him on an economic kind of manage your resource type of game, I think it's going to be good. Uh, he's, he's designed two of my favorite games, just period. So I'm all in for anything he puts out. Nice. All right, and that is it. There's, I mean, obviously there's like 400 games on that list, so you can dig in a little bit more. <laughs> but we've now covered like 40, 45 of them, so I feel like you have a pretty good head start. Yeah, so if you'd like to check out more of the list, it's on the BGG hotness list, but we'll be jumping back to it throughout the year to let you know what are the newest and, of course, the hottest games that are out there. So hopefully you'll be able to pick them up during the holiday season. And if not, we'll keep you up to date when those games will become available and where you'll be able to pick them up. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. 